we're here to talk to you guys about business life, about the never settle mindset and what that is. Before we get into that, brief overview of what, Jerry, what do you do with Wealth Dynamics? Yeah, so I own Wealth Dynamics, and so I help people make money, keep money, and multiply money. And uh, the reason I do that is I don't believe you should trade time for money for the next 40 years and live in mediocrity. So you got to get passive income. You have to get assets. That means that you've got to be in business some way, shape, or form. Right How about you, on. Matt? And that's Jerry Fetto with Wealth Dynamics. This is Matthew Lindsay with Precision Home Group at Remax here in Anchorage. And it is my goal, my mission to help people get into investment properties, cash flowing properties that make sense and can help them build their future. Yes, sir. Today we have a special guest MC Lobsher with Cashflow Ninja and Valhalla Wealth is going to be joining us. And uh, we'll tell you a little bit about him in a minute here. Sounds great. We have a special guest, MC Lobsher with Cashflow Ninja, the podcast, and Valhalla Wealth. What's up, MC? Hey, Jerry, what's going on? Nice to uh, thank you so much for having me on. Nice to speak with you guys. Our pleasure. Thank you for coming on. So, MC, we do this with every single guest. It's kind of an honor or tradition. Our show is called Never Settle Radio. And so, in your opinion, what does never settle mean for you? Uh, that absolutely just means to me that n never to give up on your dreams and uh, the vision that you have for your life. You know, uh, I don't know who said it first, but there's a quote that uh, that I live by. It's very, very hard to <laughs> to play against anyone, but one in sports or in any area of the lives uh, if that other person doesn't give up. Right. So uh, that uh, that's what it means to me. That's awesome. I love it. Now, can you tell our listeners a little bit about who you are and what it is that you do? Yeah, so um, as you mentioned, uh, my name is MC Lobsher. I'm, I'm the creator and host of a podcast called Cashflow Ninja, where we interview cashflow ninjas that uh, share how to create income in the new economy and in the information age. And folks talk about uh, how to create income streams from real estate, commodities, uh, crypto and blockchain technologies, paper assets, stocks, uh, and, and so forth. So uh, we cover quite a quite a variety in a different ways and, and a lot of creative uh, ways to create uh, create wealth outside of uh, outside of the traditional ways of doing so. And then, as you mentioned, um, I am the uh, president of Valhalla Wealth Financial, and uh, yeah, we help uh, people create wealth outside of Wall Street and any uh, economy. I love that. And MC and I are very much on the same page. Same with Matt about the cash flow thing. When, when did that become important for you, MC, the cash flow idea? Yeah, I think I've always, I mean, I, I grew up in South Africa during a very interesting time in the country's history there. So uh, as a young, uh, I would say, young man, uh, I really saw that things are not as they seem that they, that they appear to be, right? And um, society, life, and the financial area was no different. Things are definitely not as they appear to be. So I've always questioned it and, and looked at different ways. And it just, you know, guys, it just amazes me that um, how uh, people would give their money and hand it over to someone for 30 to 40 years and accumulate and accumulate. And then after 40 years, if there's anything left, uh, that mountain of money that was promised, uh, then they try to create income with it, right? <laughs> income trees. Well, if, if that was the goal, why didn't you start it 30 or 40 years ago? Uh, so that you can course correct and pivot and make adjustments along the way. Why do you have to wait 30 to 40 years to figure out if there's anything to convert in income? 
So the focus should be income from the from uh, from the get go. But yeah, that's just one of the things that uh, just didn't make sense to me at all. Sounds like you're trying to help people take time out of the equation. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I mean, time. We we only have so many hours uh, uh, per per day, per week, and per year, and we're only on this spinning bowl of uh, dirt uh, for for a short time. <laughs> so uh, it's uh, it's good to maximize and and be efficient with our time when I'm here, and so in our financial life as well. Um, you know, it, it just. Uh, the the alternative route uh, really condenses and collapse time uh, in, in in any financial or wealth plan uh, as opposed to the traditional route. That's very true, and it's ironic because the way you described it, it almost sounds like people are considering the number one thing that they're going to need in what we call retirement, which is income. They're considering that as an afterthought, which to me is hilarious. Is that's that's the one thing that matters, and we're not thinking about it till we're sixty, is what I hear you're saying. Yeah, absolutely, and I mean the whole thing of retirement is quite a quite a farce as well. It's a it's a very very uh, industrial age idea that was also programmed through this convi- conveyor belt education into people's minds, and that's why they put up with lousy jobs, and they you know they were in factories and they were coal mining, right? So. That little uh, carrot at the end of the at the end of the light uh, that was dangling was, hey, you put in the work for 30 to 40 years and you can retire from this, from what you're doing right now, which you're not enjoying. Well, why don't you, uh, <laughs> why don't you just start to do what you enjoy on a daily basis? And there's you never want to retire from that in the first place. Um, so uh, you actually want to keep going and give back, right, and stay active. So. Keeps the keeps the body and the spirit and the and the mind young. So it's a, uh, it's definitely something that was uh, that was fed to us too uh, through a lot of different mediums. I totally agree with that. Now you said you grew up in South Africa. Um, tell me about your childhood. So so what part of South Africa uh, were your parents wealthy? I guess when did this money thing really take place in your life? Yeah, so I think um, so. I grew up in South Africa, in, a, in just outside of a town called Stellenbosch. It's in the south, um, just outside of Cape Town. Uh, very interesting period. So um, Nelson Mandela was actually released in 1991, and uh, that was uh, yeah. I mean, I was uh, young at that stage, but I was uh, in high school by the time he became the president and the first elected president in 1994. So that had a profound impact because, I mean, I grew up during apartheid in, in South Africa and all of a sudden everything changed. And, you know, hey, everything that you read in the newspapers and in the media and heard on the TV and the radio and everything in the history that you were taught, all of a sudden, you know, you get back to school and folks say, you know, the teacher would say, you know, that uh, <laughs> the history and stuff that you were taught about the country. Yeah, that didn't happen quite uh, so much that way. Right. So here's here's how it actually happened, or here's a different version of history. So that kind of had a very profound impact on me um, at a young age because I just couldn't believe what was going on. How uh, so many people were just in the dark of what was happening, right? Um, because everything was censored. So that led me down a path of just trying to um, always try and learn as much as I can about certain topics and information and. Uh, it led me to my, uh, to money. Um, I read Robert Kiyosaki's book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I was playing sports at the time, so I was a rugby player. Um, you know, I got I got hit in the head quite a number of times, but, you know, I like to read 
<laughs> and, uh, and study what I was not getting hit in the head, right? <laughs> so I, I read a lot, uh, uh, you know, during while we were traveling, came across the book, which led me to uh, The Creature from Jekyll Island, from G. Edward Griffin. Um, and then at that stage, my parents also went through uh, a very, very bad financial time. So they had handed money over to a financial advisor. This might sound familiar. He uh, put it into a certain vehicle for them, and they lost pretty much almost everything that they had. Uh, and that was for about 14, 15 years ago. So that's when I really started to, to um, this became um, a really big uh, passion of mine to jump into this area. But growing up, I mean, Jerry, I would say that, um, and Matt, I would say that we, yeah, about, up, I would say middle class, uh, a good middle class upbringing is, is what I had. Both of my parents uh, were hardworking, but, um, you know, we were, we were not, uh, we had a very comfortable life, but um, we were by no means um, extremely wealthy. So um, I would say that, you know, and and a lot of the things that we were taught and come, coming from a middle class upbringing is stuff that you would have to unlearn, right, over the years and, mm-hmm. and reprogram that mind of yours. Wow, that's packed. So, so I would imagine... Um basically having the history books unwrapped and be like, hey, this didn't actually happen that way. Did that cause you to be a little bit skeptical with other things or with new things? Kind of like, you know, what else isn't true? Oh, yes. Oh, absolutely. And it hasn't stopped to this day. So I know that uh, information never really is as presented. There's a lot of uh, uh, marketing and packaging wrapped around it. So, um, no, absolutely. And I still to this day always uh, look and try to read very, very wide from different sources and to try to figure, figure things out and form my own opinion. Um, because yeah, it, it was a, it was a big shock. I, I, I mean, the one second you learned this and this was going on and, you know, when you're young at that stage, uh, what was I like 13, 14, 15, I think that was right about the time when all of that happened. Um, you know, it's not, it's not like you're an adult at that, at that stage. You're, you're still being formed. Your mind is still being shaped and formed. So, um, no, absolutely. Uh, critical thinking, problem solving, and I would say being resourceful are three skills that were definitely not taught in school that should be at the top of everyone's list to, to master those skills. Wow. And as you help coach people with, uh, you know, your products, your services, uh, people listen to you on your podcast and stuff, um, Bring this back to what you were speaking about earlier with, uh, you know, the retirement, that that 30 year game that people play and they got that carrot at the end of the day. You know, you definitely early on adopted the, you know, the investigative thinking, the thinking for yourself, the research, the going out and, you know, eating up material information to to really find, hey, what is true? It sounds like after, you know, that happened when you were about 13, right? Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. So it, you know, and you can, that's like real world experience that you, you partake and give to people, give to listeners, give to, you know, your clients, um, you know, being able to question and pass that on because, you know, in the information age that we are in now, you know, that's something that, you know, parents of our generation um, and beyond, uh, it wasn't so widespread. It wasn't so common that people question. They just, you know, they just put their heads down and work because that's what everyone did. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the great thing about the information age is, you know, when uh, before this is kind of pre-internet to, to date myself, but 
Um, you, now, when you go online, you'll find and see that there's other people that are also saying, like, wait a second, what's going on here? You know, this doesn't seem right or this isn't, you know. So, But before the, the Internet, you, they, you kind of felt a little bit isolated. But, um, no, absolutely. And, and I think another thing for my upbringing in South Africa and living there is, uh, and this is also ties into my sports background, is the approach uh, with clients is a lot in, in preparation. We focus a lot on preparation over planning. Yes, there's a plan. There's a process, but we prepare as best as we can for all kinds of different scenarios. So, um, and I was just back in South Africa for about three weeks in January. And to give you a real life example of, of, of planning, uh, Cape Town, the major city uh, to where my parents live, is one of the first international cities that's running out of water right now. Now, as crazy as that might sound to the listeners out there, Cape Town, I think they moved day zero to like um, uh, uh, July now because um, they have had some rain, but they've had a major drought. There's been mass migration to, uh, in the, the Western Cape province, which Cape Town is centered in. Um, so when uh, my wife and myself was down there, I mean, we would see people just stock up on water. You know, you would go to the store and in the morning, all the major five gallon containers of water would be gone because pe- people are preparing, right? For what's coming so um yeah, that's i've always kind of take that with me too just from my background and uh, my my life experience wow so that's that's very different mindset and i think it's, it's it's in my opinion and i know that you'd agree with this it's a mindset that most people here in the u.s don't have and should have right right it's that it's that mentality of it can never happen here right and that's i mean i've 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 lived in a scene where, yes, things can happen, and it can happen very, very quickly. The water is just another uh, situation where uh, you realize how reliant people become on systems and infrastructure, and the more self-reliant that you can become, and the more planning or preparation that you can apply in your own life in all different types of areas is going to position you to handle no matter what comes, right? Hey, the stock market collapsed to 60%. That doesn't matter because we, we're prepared. We know what to do, right? Um, hey, there's a, you know, there's a, a, a certain a different type of crisis or, a, or a, um, a storm. I'm on the East Coast here in the United States. We had uh, San, Sandy here. Um, you can prepare for that, right, and be as best prepared to take care of yourself and your family. So in every so area true. of your life, um, is a, is a, you can apply those principles. So MC, if you could do us a favor, because I, I see a lot of just fantastic perspective in your story and your knowledge base. Um, you mentioned that as you grew up, there were things in South Africa that you thought were true and found out weren't true. So there's one leg. And then the second leg is things that people over there are preparing for um, that you see. So what are some of the things here in the U.S. that people believe are true and just flat out, it's not real, it's not how we think it is? <laughs> uh, go to school, get a good job, max out your 401k and your retirement plans, uh, and uh, you know, hand your money over to a fin- the rest of the money to a financial advisor for 30 to 40 years. And when uh, you decide to retire from whatever you're doing, there's going to be a mountain of money waiting for you. Uh, and you're going to live the, the life of your dreams as advertised on all of those commercials with people walking on the beaches and sitting in you know hot tubs next to the beach and, and so forth. Uh, 
So that would definitely be one of them. You just blew Um, them all out of the water. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think, um, you know, the more and more people keep, and and this might be uh, something, um, a lesson that, I mean, a lesson that I learned. The more people say the same thing over and over, the more you should question it. So, and this is with, you know, this is regarding anything. When the, the majority of people keep saying the same thing over and over, it's probably a good idea to look at it and look at it very, very closely. Because uh, the, other, the, the other big epiphany, and to tie into your question, is, um, you know, it just amazes me that um, uh, if such a small group of people have figured things out when, when it comes to wealth, right, um, and they figured it out, and they built sustainable wealth, and they've done all these things correctly. Why uh, are we following uh, advice that the majority of people are following that haven't figured it out? <laughs> it just, yeah, it just blew it just blew my mind that, that there's a small group of people they figured it out. The majority of people, you know, not so much. And um, I mean, as, as you guys know, it, these, this information is not available everywhere. And even if you get a little bit of an insight to it, uh, there's still a, a sales pitch attached to uh, certain certain things that brings it back to the markets, you know. So um, yeah, it's uh, there's a there's a lot of things that I can ramble on, but those are some of the things I think that uh, I would say uh, a lot of people take for granted or just uh, as is. Uh, that's not necessarily true. That's a big deal. Now, the second part of my question, what are some of the things here in the U.S. that you believe people need to be preparing for? Yeah, I, right now, the markets are very, very frothy. I mean, all-time, all-time highs. Pick, a, pick an asset class, there's probably a bubble. Um, so I think that people should be very, very weary, uh, regardless of what space that they're playing into, uh, and they should prepare for any scenario. So... Uh, if <laughs> is right now a good time to invest in the stock market? What's the joke? I think it was uh, Mark Twain that says, you know, uh, January is a good time to to lose money in the stock market. So is February. So is March. So is April. So is May, June, July, August, September. You know, on and on and on. So um, yeah, be very very careful of of markets, uh, especially the uh, the equity markets. And unfortunately, a lot of things are tied to that. But there are ways that you can position yourself in alternative asset clauses to be uh, out of the system and, as uh, Nassim Taleb calls it, anti-fragile in some sort of way where you're still creating wealth, uh, protecting your wealth, and multiplying it regardless of what's going on in the economy and the markets. I love that. Now, I want to talk a little bit about Cashflow Ninja. Here, here, and especially in my life, Matt, Matt's life too, we've kind of shared a similar story. We were taught, you know, like sit down, shut up, be quiet, be seen, not heard, don't brag. All of these things that say not to broadcast what you're doing and not to talk to too many people and let people know who you are. Right. Was that similar for you? And, and why, why did you feel the need to go build this platform to share this information with people? Yeah, you know, that's a great question. It absolutely uh, was the same for me. I mean, it's the same thing uh, in kind of where I grew up in South Africa. Kind of that, you know, don't stand out, don't, don't, make, don't make a noise, don't put yourself out there. And uh, I think for me, um, I just came to a point in my life where 
Um, I love to learn and I love to hear about different ways of things um, being done and being done successfully. And I loved reading autobiographies. So then I figured, to, you know, how do I create a platform uh, to have amazing people on that have been successful? And then how do I get other people to, uh, you know, to join me in this learning experience? And that's how they basically started. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it was that was kind of the goals. And, and, and in such a way, position myself that, hey, I'm bringing on a cash flow ninja. Let's all learn from them together. Um, but yeah, of course, you know, putting yourself out there, I think I got a lot of different eye rolls in the beginning when I told people what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, deep down, a lot of folks probably looked at it and say, oh, wow, this is, <laughs> this is going to fall and fall fast. And, you know, this, this is going to be a, a big mess, but, uh, no, it was a lot of fun and the show, uh, just kept growing and growing and growing. And I think we're on over in 170 countries. It's been downloaded and listened to. Um, so, um, and we grow, uh, every single month. So it's been a lot of fun. I've been, uh, uh you know, met a lot of amazing, uh, people and I've had a lot of amazing guests on, but yeah, to, to back to the original question, it was very uncomfortable at first, but I think the biggest lesson that I've learned so far in my life is that, People are so preoccupied with themselves and their own lives that they don't they don't care. You know, we think that other people think about what we do, but they don't. <laughs> they don't. They don't really. Maybe for a second, but uh, not not really. Yeah, totally agree with that. And I also think that you know, there's a couple things here. One is that you know, success is you know, wealth isn't built, and then you know anything like that, you know, is not built on people doing the status quo, right? So if you're going to be doing the status quo, if you're going to be worried about what other people are thinking, you know, you're not going to, you're not going to set yourself apart. You're not going to be able to grow. You're not going to be able to develop yourself. With that in mind, I also, you know, the knowledge that we've, that we have, that we've been able to develop the information that we've been able to gain and also the people that in the network that we've built out, it, we also felt that, you know, with a radio show, um, it was our, our uh, you know, not only privilege, but also we felt that we needed to get this information out there because it's not being put out there all the time. I mean, more and more here in the information age, there's podcasts out there like yours and others that are, you know, shouting it from the rooftops and saying, hey, public people, this information is is good. It's 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 got worth behind it. It's changing the status quo, you know, and people need to listen. You know, so I felt that when we bring this to the marketplace, when we bring this to the public, when we bring this out, when we bring people on and like you're saying with, man, that's, that's crazy. hundred, 160 different countries, you said? Yeah, hundred, hundred and seventy, And it's, it's, it's wow. so true what you just said. It's, it's, uh, in the information age, there's no longer excuses anymore to say, well, I don't have the knowledge. I don't know what to do. You know, there's paths out there. There's blueprints out there. You know, there's information inform- available online for free, which, uh, you know, which people teach strategies that uh, massive teams and, and a power team of uh, A players are executing in family offices, which start working with families of net worth around $250 million. I mean, that's, that's online. That's how powerful the information is. So um, I would, you know, I would just encourage people to, 
If there's something that you're passionate about or a goal that you want to achieve, you can find someone uh, uh, online that's achieved it already and learn from them. And, you know, uh, achievers and people that have had success, they love to share, they love to teach, uh, and they love to mentor. So information is there. It's a it's a quite an amazing time to uh, to live and, and have all of this information at your fingertips. And one other thing that you uh, mentioned earlier is that, you know, so you have your podcast, you have your company, um, and, you know, you, you coach people with wealth and all that kind of stuff. But one key thing that I really pulled out, stuck out, is, you know, you, you mentioned you learning from the guests you have on there. You know, even sitting here behind the mic, speaking to a certain topic, we're still learning and still developing and, you know, still seeking that out. Absolutely. That's such a good point, Matt. Like, for me, I get to, I get to sit and interview someone and uh, they unpack all the knowledge because they're very, I mean, very wealthy and successful people are extremely generous. So they'll unpack all of the knowledge and all of the things that they've, that, that they've had in their life. And, you, and not only do they unpack that, but you get to ask them any question that you want. So, it, you know, I'm like, I'm like a kid in a candy store. I've got a notepad out when I speak to these uh, cash flow ninjas. I'm taking notes. Uh, I'm uh, asking questions. It's uh, it's been a, it's a, been a privilege to do that, and then uh, my listeners get to sh- get to share in in that experience and and also learn from it. So it's been it's been phenomenal. That's such a big deal, and I can sense that on you. When I first talked to you, I could tell you were an interested person. So that's that's awesome. What's one message that if you could just pick one thing you had to share with our audience? What's one message you want to leave them with today? Uh, I will share the the wealth formula that I learned from a, a mentor of mine, and it's very very brief. It's uh, your mental capital times your relationship capital equals your financial capital, and you can convert that into cash flow. And mental capital is developing yourself, studying, learning courses, uh, coursework, seminars. Uh, relationship capital is the people that you know, your network, your masterminds, uh, your your uh, team, right? Uh, your mentors, your coaches. Combining those two, that'll determine your financial capital. And then using those two, again, will convert it into cash flow. And I would say if anybody takes everything that you have in your life away from you and you've developed your mental and your relationship capital, you build it up, you'll build it up very quickly again. And that's why you see a lot of billionaires go bankrupt almost. And before you know it, they're a billionaire again, you know, four or five years later or even sooner than that. Man, that's huge. I, I learned a ton just from that. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much, MC. Where can people find you if they want to listen to Cashflow Ninja? Thank you so much for having me on, guys. Uh, at CashflowNinja.com, they can check us out there. Um, and, uh, yeah, as I mentioned, uh, I'm interviewing all these Cashflow Ninjas that talk about real estate, commodities, uh, paper assets, crypto, blockchain, trends, uh, all kinds of stuff wealth-related. So they can check us out at CashflowNinja.com. Awesome. Well, thank you so much again, MC. We appreciate your time, your expertise, and the knowledge you've shared. Thank you so much for having me on, guys. This was a blast. Talk to you later. And it's such an important thing, uh, creating wealth, and it starts in different stages. I actually wanted to take a couple minutes real quick and talk about Operation Reborn. Operation Reborn. Operation Reborn. And the reason why is this ties in really well. There's wealth in the standpoint that you've gotten to the point where you have such a surplus that you can give. And then there's also wealth from like the beginning standpoint, like you're just getting new information and your mindset's changing. 
And both of those things happen at Operation Reborn. Matt, tell me about Operation Reborn. Pretend I've never heard about it. It's music to my ears. I just want to hear you tell me what that thing is about. It is sweet music. Operation Reborn. Sweet, sweet music. So Operation Reborn. What it is is an event held here in Anchorage once a month. That's going to be the second Sunday of every month. And what we are doing is reaching out to the at-risk youth, at-risk communities, and homeless people of Anchorage. Our goal, our mission is to help people um, get back into the workforce and not just to be a drone, not just to, you know, do the mundane and just worry about a paycheck. But we want to actually take people and help them create wealth for themselves, help them create a life of abundance and let them know, um, help them discover what their true potential is. So we do that at this event, like I said, second Sunday of every month. It's located at Hair Science Barbershop, corner of 15th and C Street. And we do this in three stages. The first stage is we feed them. We give people food. Um, last several events, we've had AJ's Barbecue here in Anchorage, best barbecue in town. So good. Um, so we make sure that they have plenty of food. Um, and then second, that second thing is that we're going to get them haircut. We've mentioned it's at Hair Science Barbershop. So we get them fed and then we take them into the barbershop, get, get all cleaned up, groomed up. Um, you know, if they need a, a shave, we can make sure that's, that's handled for them. Um, just make them f- feel good. So they're feeling good because they got, you know, full stomachs and now they're looking good and just changing their countenance. And when they're sitting in there in the chair, getting their hair cut and hanging out, we have their ear for a bit. So what we do with that is we just go around. Um, we got sales training there. We have um, resume building. We have computers set up for applications. We have people walking around, engaging with people who are showing up in order to help change the mindset, help educate them, help give them good information um, and things like that. And we also have a guest speaker who comes every every month, mm-hmm. uh, different guest speaker every month. And it is somebody in the community who is who is active in the community, um, who has you know been at risk, who has been homeless, who has been um, somewhere in their life, they've had some type of hardship and they've come out of that and created some type of success with it. And so they're there to, you know, just let people know, hey, I've been where you are. I know what you're going through. This is what I did to get out of that. And this is something that we do every single month. And and my favorite part about this is it's not a organization with all of this bureaucracy and fundraising and the typical stuff. This is for entrepreneurs, Matt Lindsay, myself, Cliff Goffner, Sean Item. We came together and said, hey, Anchorage has a problem. And us in the community, we as business owners, we are the solution. So this is fully funded. We don't need your donations. That's that's what businesses are for is you get profit and you do cool things with it. And so what we're actually looking for is um, a business owners that are willing to hire individuals that are coming through this program. We've had several applicants actually get hired. It's only been the second month. We're on our third month now. So we're looking for business owners that are willing to actually put their money where their mouth is and say, yep, I'll hire one of these guys. Second thing is, is we're looking for the community to share this like crazy. Um, We know that oftentimes we can't give and that's why we're not asking for that. We've got that covered, but we do know that it's very easy to complain and to say, hey, there's, there's a homeless problem in Anchorage. There's kids that are vandalizing. There's crime going on. And so this is the opportunity. It costs nothing to just be part of the solution. You know, to participate in that capacity and say, hey, this is what you can do to fix it. 
Mm-hmm. So this is going to happen this next Sunday. Uh, that's going to be the, on the 8th, the second Sunday. It's from 11 to 3 o'clock at Hair Science Barbershop. And that's, on again, on the corner of 15th and C. Um, for more information on this event, for a flyer to print out, for a flyer to you know post up in your community, in your neighborhood, to help get the word out, or share it on social media, we actually have a Facebook page set up. It's Operation Reborn. Just search it on Facebook. You're going to find it. Also, go to operationreborn.org. You can also find some information there as well. Now, I want to make sure we get this across. Share it like crazy. It's on the second Sunday of every single month. And we're not going to be coy here. Our goal is to get people a job. That's right. We're not covert about it. When someone comes in, it's not about buddy-buddy. It's like, hey, dude, I'm going to get you a job. Let's get you fed. Let's get you cleaned up. Uh, Let's get you educated. Let's get you empowered. And let's get you putting applications through. So... It's it's really something we've seen major change with. So again, share, share, share. I think that's it on Operation Reborn, right? Yeah, corner 15th and C, second Sunday of every month. Talking about wealth, Matt and I both work in the similar capacity where we help people do smart things with their money. Matt, you do that from the real estate side. Correct. And then I do that from the wealth coaching side. And a couple of the problems that I've been seeing this week, and I think Matt, you have too, you know, is people that are trying to get to what we call retirement, kind of our, our traditional sense, right? Yeah. And we'll be talking about that here, you know, more detail with our guests later on today. But what what Jerry's talking about is that, um, you know, that 30 to life, I think is what you call it, Jerry, mm-hmm. you know, just that playing that game and hoping at the end of the day, um, I have some type of money or fund or product at the end that's going to save me. Yeah. And it really is something that we're seeing now is not playing out the way that it was sold. Um, It's ironic. A lot of times when I talk with people, they're putting money into like a 401k, right? They're putting Mm -hmm. it into their 401k every month. They stick it in there. And the statistics are showing, I think it was in 2016, this stat is 24% of retirees had to actually postpone because they found out they didn't have the funds they thought they'd have. Yeah. That's one in four people. So If you have a mom and a dad and your mom and dad have parents, you have four grandparents. That means one out of your four grandparents will find out that this year they can't retire. Yep. And and a lot of times it's not really even because they weren't putting the effort into it. A lot of times they were, they were doing all the stuff they were told to do. You know, they went to school, they got the job, they contributed to the plan, they worked hard and they just found out that, that the golden pot wasn't at the end of the, at the end of the rainbow. No, it was more like a like a stone pot. Yeah. Like a cauldron. Yeah. Dead toads and stuff in it. Yep. You can't retire on dead toads, people. That's the moral of this story. Matt, talk to me about how someone can solve that problem through real estate. Yeah. So instead of putting your money aside, you know, every month into um, pretty much giving it to someone else saying, hey, go do something with this. Total lack of responsibility. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Uh, You know, and we're not here to say, yeah, we are. Um, total lack of responsibility. You know, if you don't know where your money is going into, if you don't understand the product, and Jerry can touch on this because this is his field of, this is his profession. This is what he does. So I'll just speak to real estate because that is what I do. Um, so one of the tools, instead of doing that, instead of the 401ks and all the different products out there, um, what we try to do and what we do do is get people into a cash flowing property. You know, we want people to, instead of throwing money into a product, stash it. 
We want you to build up that savings account. Not savings to save, but savings to invest. Once you have set aside you know, a chunk of money that you can actually go play with and do something with, invest with, you know, 50,000, 100,000, 200,000, 300,000, you know, we want to take that money, instead of putting it in a product, we're gonna go put it in a real asset. We're gonna go put it in something that produces income month after month, you know, something that actually makes sense. Um, something we'll, we're gonna put it in is, is multifamily real estate, because at the end of the day, with multifamily real estate, everyone's gonna need a home, right? Mm -hmm. You know. So that's what we mainly focus on. We stay away from the commercial, um, you know, office, office and retail. buildings yeah. and retails and stuff like that. Um, so we help people get into multifamily. That way that they can, you know, develop that cash flow over time. And we do bigger deals. You know, we're not focusing on the duplex, on the triplex, on the fourplex. Those are, you know, m that might be something that works for you as you begin. But our goal is to get out of that as quick as possible um, and to honestly surpass that altogether mm -hmm. because there is no cash flow there. You're buying yourself a job. So we want many doors and we want big properties. Now, there's something that I teach my clients and you just hit this on the head. You don't invest monthly. That's not how it happens. So, so in 1979, the 401k came out uh, and ironically, it wasn't a public thing. A guy named Ted Benna invented it. It was just for his company. Like it was just his group and then Wall Street got their hands on it. Now everyone does it. But we've been taught that you just stick money in every month. And uh, I've literally heard somebody say, is a very respected financial figure, if you put $100 a month away into your 401k, you will be a millionaire by the time you retire, which just isn't the truth. So like you said, Matt, people need to have a chunk. Yep. You save a chunk. Yeah. And, and we could we may as well just call that your down payment. People need a down payment. Exactly. Now, I, I have arbitrarily come up with the number 50,000. And... It's, it's very close in your industry and my industry. 50000 is a good number because that's about what somebody, if they're doing real estate, is going to need for a down payment. Let's say they're doing an FHA loan. Mm -hmm. They're going to need that. They need reserves. They need closing costs. That's right around that range, right? Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's your first lump sum that you should be setting as a target. And what Matt's saying is when you get that money, whether it's 50, whether it's 100, whether it's 300, you're using that to buy something that pays you income. And exactly. then you're, you're going to save that income. Oh, yeah. You're not done yet. Nope. You're going to use that to reinvest, you know. And once and Jerry, you know, talks about this all the time, is that once you have something else paying you, you just can stack that down payment up even faster the second time, even faster the third time, because now you have three different products that are helping bring income into your life. Yeah. I mean, imagine, imagine Santa Claus having only one elf. Man. How hard would Christmas be? That'd be pretty difficult. You need a bunch of them. Yep. You need a bunch of elves, which means you need to be in elf acquisition mode. You need to find out how much does an elf cost to buy. I'm going to save that up. I'm going to get the first one. I'm going to use the production from the second elf to save up and to buy that next one. And then you have an army of elves. The only difference is it's real estate. Yeah. And then you can go into, you know picking and choosing which one makes sense. I mean, you can really start playing the game once you have that army built up, seeing which one makes the most sense, which ones you can get, let go to, you know, convert into bigger properties. You know, it starts being a game where you can, you know, really start to play it. 
Just got done talking about multifamily investing, talked about getting into those bigger units because it's going to actually have the margins. It's going to cash flow, be able to you know pay for management out of that. You're not buying yourself a job as you would into the you know more residential, do-it-yourself landlord style of investing, if you will. So that's what we were talking about, Jerry. Before we got into all of that, we were talking about, you know, the 30 years, you know, the 30 to life old idea that you can just work, put money into 401k and at the end of the day be good. We covered that pretty well. Talked about, you know, real estate as a good tool to put your put your investment, put your money, put your assets into, you know, gaining more and then building up that portfolio. Uh, you have some other options as well, correct? Yeah. So there's there's other things out there now. Granted, these are all still backed by real estate. Correct. And the reason for that is real estate has always been and always will be the backbone of everything. Isn't that crazy? You get a business, you need real estate, even online businesses. Mm -hmm. Online businesses, the work from home, they still got to have a home. Right. Can't work from home if you don't have a home. So real estate is always attached. So a lot of the stuff I do is initially helping people get their toe in the water. Uh, and starting to invest for passive income. Um, and, and a lot of it does involve you having larger amounts of money. When you start looking at things like uh, private lending, syndicating real estate deals, doing um, what's considered alternative investing, most of them won't talk to you if you don't have a hundred grand. Yeah. And, and so a lot of my conversation, if somebody's just starting on their new, is let's get you on a plan. And, and MC is going to talk about that in a little bit when we bring him on, but let's get you on a plan. And let's get you committed to a savings amount. Now, ironically enough, that part freaks people out worse than anything. Yeah. Like committing to having to write a check. You know, I'm going to write $1,000 every month and it's going to go into my sacred account. And this account is for real estate only. That part scares people. And the reason that part scares people is the root of that is, A, we haven't been taught to duplicate our income the way we need to be. Mm -hmm. And then, B, we've never actually been in control of giving up the money. Correct. It's always just been taken. Taxes, 401k, all of that stuff is just taken. So when we have control, it's now a, actually a new habit to consciously make the decision that, yes, I'm going to give this money up. Now, you're not actually giving it up. It's going into your account. It's liquid. It's there. But it's not for the big screen TV. It's not even for emergencies. No. What do you think about emergency funds, Matt? I think if you are planning for an emergency fund, you're going to have an emergency. You're going to have one. Your name's Matt because someone called you Matt. And now yep. when everyone says Matt, you respond to it. Yep. Because that's your name. If someone called you criminal, probably you'd be in jail right now. We wouldn't have a podcast. We wouldn't have a show. No different than your money. If you name your money emergency, Matt, what's going to happen? You're going to get an emergency. You're going to get an emergency. It's, it's Same thing with diapers. Exactly. And you're going to find some reason to spend it. Mm. Because what is an emergency? Whatever you deem to be urgent in the moment it happens, right? Right. <laughs> so we're against the emergency fund concept. Instead of funding your emergencies, we believe you should fund your life. Mm -hmm. Life's going to happen. Sometimes it's up, sometimes it's down. You should have enough room where you have margin for error, but that shouldn't be why you're doing it. Yeah. So, Matt, we've talked a little bit about like you know that cycle of making money you know, being able to keep it, being able to invest it. I want to talk a little bit about mindset because we've both gone through this in our own lives. And I think a lot of people have to take this step first. 
What's the mindset change that needs to happen when somebody decides, I'm going to stop funding life for just today and emergencies and all of that mediocre stuff, and I actually do want to do something great? Yeah, it's just going from that scarcity mindset to that abundance mindset, which is never settle, right? You know, because you've settled for the idea that you're only as good as your paycheck, that you got to ask for that raise every, you know, six months to a year. Um, and when you don't get it, you don't know how to make more money, you know? So it's that scarcity mindset that someone else controls your income. Once you get into the abundance mindset, it says, I control my income. You take back control, you take back and you give away all your excuses, right? Like you get rid of them and you just go and you create. Now, I think it's ironic. Uh, one of my favorite shows, you guys have probably all seen this, it's The Office. I think that show is hilarious. Now, people laugh at that show because The Office has, has done such a good job of pinpointing exactly what Matt just said, the reality of trading time for money and what that looks like and what we all go through. And it's hilarious to watch. Like, we laugh at it, but anyone I've ever talked to, they're like, yeah, it actually, that's what it's like. So the life that we're living, middle-class America, the mm -hmm. status quo culture, if you pulled it back and looked at it, it's a comedy because of how weird and lame and awkward it is when you're just living for paying your bills on Friday, yep. you know? And hoping maybe you have enough for, you know, like a dinner out on the weekend. Yeah. Right? And even if you're, you know, gotten to that stage where you're comfortable, maybe you take a couple vacations, that's still not a life of abundance. Mm -hmm. So don't settle for that. And that that's our point today. So we're going to talk about a lot of stuff. We're going to have MC Lobster come on and talk about a lot of this stuff as far as mindset, investing, finances, all of these things. But our message to you is find out what you want your life to look like and don't settle. Never settle. Never, ever settle.